Hello and welcome into a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. As you guys know, I'm your host, TJ McBride of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That On the Blue Wire Podcast Network, as it continually grows, you keep finding more and more awesome podcasts to be able to listen to. So make sure to go check out the new website, bluewirepodcast.com. Make sure to go listen to all the different great podcasters. Uh, Sam Esfandari and Andy Liu of the, of the Light Years Podcast. You have the Chase Down Pod with Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowan. You have Pete Zayas, you know, Coach Pete doing the Lakers film room podcast there's so many good podcasts in this network and i'm so happy to be a part of it so make sure to go listen to other shows not just mine but this is going to be a podcast basically looking at a few different things as it pertains to preseason that's really all we can talk about right now there's not a whole lot else to take away from but there are some interesting narratives that are developing like how michael porter jr has been looking the small forward battle the really the battle for the starting small forward position in addition to who is going to be the odd man out as a small forward. I want to talk about who has impressed, who has not impressed, and then, of course, we're going to quickly move ahead to the Nuggets taking on the Suns because that is going to be the third of four preseason games that the Nuggets are going to play. That game is going to tip off at 8 p.m. in Phoenix against the Suns on Monday night, so you'll be able to hear this podcast Sunday night if you're awake late, Monday morning when you wake up. Um, And then also, I want to talk about who is not going to play and who could play in this game. There are some players on on the Nuggets roster who have been added to the injury report who could potentially not see time and Malone has left some um, let's call them clues that maybe there's a couple of forwards who potentially do not play in this game either so with all of that being rounded out it's going to be a fun show lots to talk about as usual lots of Michael Porter Jr. talk before I go any further though I need to give some love to the Regulators Production Group because they are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast make sure to go reach out to them at Regulators Regime on Instagram for any of your audio production needs if you want to reach out to one person rod simba that's r-o-d-s-y-m-b-a on instagram is great i love the work they do and make sure to go talk to them for any audio production needs so we're gonna take a break we'll talk about michael porter jr and the small forward battle and then who has impressed and not impressed um in the first segment before looking ahead to the sun's game for the second segment so stick with the rocky mountain hoops podcast we'll be back in a second with a whole lot of conversation for you Selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, expensive, there are so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship all of your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them very easy to manage from any device, even just your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation has become the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast listeners can try ShipStation 
completion for free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, and then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. podcast because I know that's what everybody wants to talk about and we're going to talk about them but there's a lot of other interesting things happening around the Nuggets and their situation as preseason develops so I'm not going to completely just wax poetic about Michael Porter Jr. in this podcast there will be more conversations but again I know he did more than I'm going to talk about but I want to get to other topics as opposed to just hammering Michael Porter Jr. so really the only thing in his second game at the NBA level that was noteworthy in my opinion was the fact that he just looked like 80% more comfortable than he did in his first in his first game. Of course, when you're playing your very first NBA minutes after building up for two years to get to that point, you're going to have some erratic moments, let's call them. A little bit of a, a heat check three and transition from there, an attempt to have a Dr. J finish at the rim there, and now we're starting to see all of those kinds of um, jitters getting out of his system, and we're seeing what Michael Porter Jr. can do when clearer heads prevail. And I think that was the most important part, is that it only took one game for things to really slow down for Michael Porter Jr. And that makes sense because this is a man who has been able to watch the NBA happen in front of him for a year. This is not like entirely unfamiliar territory. He just hadn't been an active participant in that territory. So now that he's getting more comfortable, his game really started to stand out in different ways. And I think the best way to describe this, and credit to Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stips for pointing this out, I I don't know if he was the first one, but it's where I saw it. He just did a really good job of being tall in game two. Don't get me wrong, there were smaller, you know, nuances on the fringes of his game that were important developments, but he was just cutting to the rim and being bigger than guys that were on on top of him. He was just getting in transition and not letting anybody... Uh, really impact his ability to get his shots off when he wanted to because everyone was just smaller than him. His rebounding, he was just taller. Um, He did run a pick and roll. There were some nice like handles that he was able to show. You can see that he was growing and getting more comfortable on the floor, but again, he was just so much bigger. And that's notable because the Nuggets don't have a jumbo forward who they can really play through that is a mismatch nightmare like this who is so diverse in their skill set and have such a freakish upward trajectory of talent. So, The fact that he was able just to be tall and impactful in Game 2, despite the fact that it's only his second game ever, was a really important thing, I thought. And it's good to see that his physical traits are able to be impactful on the floor. They immediately translated. A lot of players can have freakish athletic ability, but it doesn't translate to the floor. I look at a player like Hamadou Diallo, who is getting better in his own right. This is not a slander on him, but he is a player who has all of the physical gifts you could ever think of, but when you watch him play, they don't pop on the screen, they don't actually become impactful yet. And I do think Hamadou Diallo will get there. This is not a shot on Hamadou Diallo by any sense, but Michael Porter Jr. in his second game and his first game, you immediately saw the size and the physical talent shine from the get-go, and that's an important thing for me. Uh, Moving from that, though, just what we thought we were going to see, which is the fact that he made easy shots over smaller defenders, was that, again, he took less bad shots, he was much more aware of what was happening around him and what was needed to happen 
happen on the floor at any given time. Um, he was making strong reads. He was he was getting off the ball when he needed to. He wasn't holding the ball forever. He was making good decisions, especially off ball, where he had a couple good cuts. He did have one cut that he didn't finish that turned into a turnover for the Nuggets, but you see him figuring these things out in real time, which means that he's mentally doing the homework to really see the floor, get in the film room, and get an understanding of ways that he needs to improve. And thinking of film room, after the Nuggets played the Clippers, Michael Porter Jr. talked about Kawhi Leonard and how he was he wanted to get in and watch film with Kawhi Leonard because he's one of the greats and he wants to learn how he was able to impact the game so much in such a few amount of minutes that he was out there and to be able to be a strong passer when they're you know really buying into defending him as a scorer and all these different things. So again, the mental approach is right and that's the most important development. He looks comfortable and mentally he is growing in such gigantic strides seemingly every day. The other thing, battled on defense, not necessarily wildly impactful, but it, but the effort level, the, the want to be a good defender is evident through two games. We'll see if it lasts through 30 games, through 82 games, through 150 games, but as of right now, in the minutes that he has been allowed, which is all we can really go off of, he has made all of the effort in the world to be a better defender than he has been, going back to his three games at Missouri and going back to Hale High School. So that's important, and Michael Malone has spoken about how he wants him to rebound better, and again, attack the glass relentlessly, being a constant contributor on the offensive and defensive end of the floor as a rebounder. So overall, again, Michael Porter Jr. looks the part. He is mentally getting closer and closer to where he needs to be. He understands his role on the team, which is really important. And on top of that, he's seeing the game slow down around him while his physical traits and his skill level is shining. That is all you can hope for for a player that has only played now two NBA games in two years. It's been 500 plus days and he's going out there and he's doing what people wanted him to do as a rookie and that is really the most important thing oh and his body hasn't broken his back is totally intact and it's awesome to see so that's all i'm at with michael porter jr all positive signs but he still has a ways to go which is what i'll talk about next which is in this small forward battle it sure seems like michael porter jr is basically not in the race anymore it feels like a two-person race so Let's start here. Michael Malone spoke at practice today, which I was not there. This is from Chris Dempsey and Nick Cosmider. I've been doing some family stuff the past couple days, so I was not there. But... Michael Malone said that it's impossible to play four small forwards in a game. That's why Torrey Craig did not play against the Clippers. It's why Wancho Hernan Gomez has played sparingly throughout the play or throughout the uh, the preseason, and it's why Michael Porter Jr. is only getting one run in each game. There just isn't enough minutes to be able to play all four of them. So, with that being said, let's take a you know, a thousand foot view of where this small forward battle is, the position battle for the starting small forward role. And Will Barton in the two games has started three of the four halves, which Michael Malone in the first game split it up. Will Barton started, Tory Craig backed him up, well, I believe Wancho started, and Michael Porter backed him up in the second half. Fast forward to the Clippers game, Barton started both halves. So I do find that notable. I think Barton, as the incumbent, is in the lead for this starting small forward role, but that can change. Torrey Craig against the Clippers did not play at all. Michael Malone at practice today said, 
That wasn't a shot at Tory or anything like that, but he wants to give all of these forwards a fair chance to show what they can do. So in my opinion, looking ahead to what is going to happen with the Suns, I would expect that Will Barton, despite playing pretty well in those three of uh, in that in the time he has played on the floor, he has played well. Despite that, I will I do imagine that Will Barton will rest against the Suns. Will Barton had a hamstring injury that hampered him during training camp. He has played the most minutes of any of these small forward. Um, you know, candidates for the small forward starting position. So in my opinion, it just makes the most sense to give Will Barton a break. What that would allow you to do is to then start Tory Craig, who did not play last game, have Wancho Hernan Gomez be your backup small forward, and then give Michael Porter Jr. a few more minutes to shine. Tory Craig is, I think that the two players who are really in the running to be the starting small forward of the Denver Nuggets are Will Barton, who are Will Barton third, by the way. Another interesting note. I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. Chris Dempsey reported today that Will Barton wants to honor his father. He is a th- he is Will Barton the third technically apparently. I did not know this. So he will have Barton the third on his jersey this season. So I'm going to I'm going to try and get into the habit of that, but Barton the third has absolutely played the most minutes of any small forward. Tory Craig has not has probably played the least minutes. Wancho's gotten a fair share and Michael Porter Jr seems to just be kind of in the in, in the he's just not there yet. So from that point of view, Wancho Hernan Gomez seems like the odd man out. Michael Porter Jr. still needs to earn it, clearly. Michael Malone is not just giving him the role, so that leaves it down to Will Barton and Torrey Craig, which means the Suns game, especially if Will Barton does not play, Torrey Craig needs to shine to be able to put himself back into that category, which he absolutely can do. So it's going to be an interesting development to see how this functions once we actually get there. I'm very curious to see if Will Barton plays. I'm very curious to see if Torrey Craig starts or if Wancho starts. I'm very curious if Michael Porter Jr. gets more second half run or if they're going to ramp up time for Barton and Torrey Craig because those are going to be the two players that are the small forwards in the rotation regardless of who starts. There are so many questions that still have not been answered as it pertains to the starting small forward role and we're going to get a little bit more insight into that on Monday night after the Nuggets you know, trot out their starting five and we'll see what that team actually looks like and who is who is able to get the minutes they need. But again, I don't think anybody is ahead of anybody. I don't think Michael Malone has made a decision. I do think it's a Will Barton, Tory Craig race for the starting small forward role, but that's anecdotal. That's my own speculation. Michael Malone has given no indication that he has made a decision on this role yet. So with that being said, it seems like Barton and Tory Craig are in the lead. I would probably give the edge to Will Barton right now. Wancho Hernan Gomez seems to be the odd man out, and Michael Porter Jr. does not seem like he is going to have a chance to start opening day. He needs to earn it still. He's only played in the fourth quarter, and a little little bit of the third quarter um, in the first game in his first two games, so I do not expect to see a whole lot of that. Um, I'm going to move on to who has impressed and who still needs to prove something in my eyes. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm not going to talk about the small forwards. I've, I've talked extensively about the small forwards over the past week, so I'm just going to I'm gonna remove Will Barton, Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Michael Porter from the picture. Of course, Michael Porter Jr. is impressed. Of course, Will Barton has looked a little bit more like thrill. Of course, Torrey Craig has not gotten enough minutes. I have spoken about that, and I'm leaving it in the back end. The players I do want to talk about are Jeremy Grant. I do want to talk about Jared Vanderbilt. 
and I do want to talk about Monte Morris because and those are the players who have impressed in my eyes. So Jeremy Grant, first of all, is just fit like a glove, and I really, really hope this is teasing too much into the next segment, but I really hope we get to see Jeremy Grant start at power forward alongside Nikola Jokic against the Suns on Monday night. Paul Millsap has been put onto the injury report with a right calf tightness and is questionable to play against the Suns. Malik Beasley has a right quad contusion is also questionable to play against the Suns. If it was, if I was a betting man, the Nuggets, who have way too much depth to even deal with, are going to rest both of those players because they're going to be conservative with their important rotation players, and they need to get a better look at other players like Tory Craig, like Wancho Hernan Gomez, like Michael Porter Jr., like Vlako Chanchar, like PJ Dozier. There are so many other players that need to be able to shine. So because of that. I am anticipating that Paul Millsap, Malik Beasley are not going to play in this game. So that means, to me, Jeremy Grant will start at power forward alongside Nikola Jokic. And that is going to be a fascinating stretch of minutes because... First of all, Nikola Jokic is not exactly mentally bought into preseason. Nikola Jokic does not need to worry or care about preseason, if we're going to be entirely honest. I'm not really concerned about that. But... Seeing how natural the fit is between Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic is going to be fascinating. So far, Jeremy Grant is hitting threes, blocking shots, being a deterrent at the rim, defending on the perimeter, picking up the most difficult perimeter defensive option on the floor, and locking them down. He was a guy who was defending Kawhi Leonard at different points. He has defended all five positions. He has done so many interesting things for this Nuggets team. I am having trouble finding fault with his game. Yes, there's been too many turnovers. Yes, he was one of six from the field last game I don't care it's preseason he's getting the right looks he is looking like he fits in the right ways and he understands his role so I have nothing but good things to say about Jeremy Grant the next player I'm talking about is Monte Morris Monte has just Monte Morris is going to have fun this year being a guy who can play off the bench now he all of a sudden has so many weapons around him you're talking about him entering the game with a full bench unit that has Malik Beasley who shot 40% from three and is one of the most athletic players in the league Michael Porter Jr., who is one of the most gifted, multifaceted offensive players at 6'10 that the league has seen at his age. Of course, we'll see how his health holds up and how he, you know, gets his way into NBA shape and how he deals with the rigors of the season. But that's a better option than Trey Lyles. You also have Watcher Hernan Gomez, who can play some three. You then have Jeremy Grant, who is probably going to be running the floor with Monte Morris at backup four. And then if they don't play small, they'll have Mason Plumley, who already has incredible connections with Monte Morris. And Monte has shown that he already is developing this chemistry with all of these players. Monte Morris is going to have so much fun. He might lead the league in lobs per minutes thrown this season because he has so much talent running the court with him. When you're running out Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley as your bench start as your bench unit five man group. That's four athletic lob targets and Monte Morris, one of the most sure handed point guards in the entire NBA. That is going to be just incredible amounts of fun. And that's before even talking about potentially the emergence of Jared Vanderbilt as well, who is the next player I want to talk about as a player who has impressed. Jared Vanderbilt has not shot well. 
He has not looked fantastic as a scorer offensively, but that dude is everything else that he has ever been branded as. You can see the playmaking skill. You can see his ability to grab every rebound in sight, whether it's on the offensive end or the defensive end. On the defensive end, when he does grab the rebound, he can push the break himself. He's shown off his athletic ability to finish above the rim, whether it's a alley-oop or whether it's just as an offensive rebounder. He has shown the ability to defend multiple positions down low and up um, up above the three-point line. Jared Vanderbilt has risen his stock a ton, in my opinion, in this preseason stretch, and I'm very curious if Paul Millsap does not play in this game, as I was talking about against the Suns, if we're going to see Jared Vanderbilt get quite a few more minutes and see how he plays. My thing is that if the Nuggets bench unit really wants to go small, switchable, versatile, it makes more sense to play Jared Vanderbilt than Mason Plumley. if Jared Vanderbilt can show he can be consistent, which is a big if. If Jared Vanderbilt can have a Monte Morris, Malik Beasley-esque jump this season like they had last year, then I think having a Jeremy Grant, Jared Vanderbilt frontcourt off the bench with all that length, all that athleticism, all that ability to run teams is hyper-interesting, so I really hope we can see more Jared Vanderbilt, but as of right now, he has absolutely improved. There are two players I want to talk about for guys who have something to prove in my eyes, or not even something to prove, that's the wrong way to phrase this, have not had a good start to preseason. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris have all the rights in the world to not give a shit about preseason. I don't really care about preseason. It's not actually what happens on the floor, it's the way that they're getting into sets that matter to me, which is why I'm talking about the two of them. So let's talk about Jamal Murray first. He has not made a three-pointer in 40-plus minutes on the court through two preseason games. He has taken bad shots. He has worked himself into tougher shots than he needs to take. He has dribbled himself into turnovers. He has left his feet without a decision to be made. So suddenly now he's forcing a bad pass or taking an even tougher shot. Defensively, he has died on screens and not been able to physically control guys at the point of attack. Yes, there's been some improvement. Yes, there's been flashes. But Jamal Murray has not looked nearly as good as advertised, as well as I thought he would perform in the preseason. I thought he would come out wanting to kill people because that's just kind of who he is. He's just a mental killer. He wants to just go out there and just suck the soul and the life out of his opponent, but he has not been able to do that so far. I mean, Damian Lillard physically moved him so many times when they played Portland game one, and he struggled again against the Clippers as well. So, Jamal Murray, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I don't think you can be, on a scale of 1 to 10, I don't think you can be more than a 3 in terms of worry in the preseason. I don't think that it's possible to be worse than that unless someone breaks their leg or there's some kind of mortal injury that people have to worry about. But if I had to gauge my worry of Jamal, I, I would be at a 3. I don't see it yet. He's taking the wrong shots at the wrong time, committing turnovers in the wrong way, and that worries me if he's especially not going to improve defensively. Again, it's been two games. It's been, I, I, this is all we can talk about because we only have two games. But Jamal Murray needs to show something. Gary Harris, too. Gary Harris had, like, seven turnovers against um, against the Clippers, which that whole Clippers game, like, you want to burn the tape and move on. There were so many bad turnovers and so many missed shots, and it was the most preseason-y preseason game ever. But Gary Harris has not hit open shots. Gary Harris is turning the ball over. He's playing off the bounce more than I anticipated he was going to. Um, defensively, he's been great. I mean, I have no qualms with his defensive effort and his defensive impact so far, but turning the ball over this much and missing this many open shots is just not what you want to see. So hopefully those two bounce back in a big way. Uh, I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. We will talk about what to expect and what to look for from the Nuggets' Monday night matchup with the Suns. 
Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication it is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with the doctor to take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started getroman.com slash blue wire all right let's try this again this is literally the 10th time I have trying to record this section of the podcast, the final segment of this podcast. So I'm sorry ahead of time if you were listening to the show and you kept hearing me talk about how you're going to hear it Sunday night and you're like, but wait, it's Monday and I've been waiting and it's 10 a.m. on Mountain Time. Where has the podcast been? I have been screaming at my 10-year-old MacBook Pro trying to get it to function and it has not cooperated. So here we are the next morning trying for the third time this morning to get it to work. I should be able to figure it out. I've broke it into pieces so we'll see if this functions properly but just bear with me if the sound may be a little rough or whatever may be going on let's talk about the suns game i'm going to also quicken this so my my computer has less opportunity to blow up so if i seem like i'm speeding through it that is why and i'm sorry ahead of time um let's talk about the suns game and i think we have to start with who is going to play bull bull is on the nuggets injury report and will continue to be with a left foot injury as he continues to recover from a stress fracture that he had at the university of oregon so he is on there as well um, but there are two new names on the Nuggets injury report. The first one is Malik Beasley, who is now questionable to play against the Suns in Phoenix with a right quad contusion. The other player on the injury report is Paul Millsap, who is also questionable with right calf tightness. So in my opinion, this is all speculation. I would be surprised if either of them played a single second of this game. They already know exactly what Paul Millsap brings to the table. He is a 14-year vet who has done it all at the NBA level. There is no reason to play him a preseason game of any kind. For Malik Beasley, the Nuggets already know where he, what role he's going to fill in the rotation, so why go out there and risk potential injury by making him play again in a meaningless preseason game? So I am operating under the assumption that neither of them are going to play. Additionally, at practice, credit to the multiple riders who were there that I was not there, but Michael Malone said that there he cannot play four small forwards. That's why Torrey Craig did not see any minutes against the Clippers. That tells me that there is a light likelihood that Will Barton, who has played the most minutes at the small forward position this preseason, will rest as well. This is speculation, but we'll have to wait and see. But Will Barton has started three of four halves. Again, has played the most minutes of all four candidates for the starting small forward position. And additionally, it was dealt with a hamstring issue at the first couple days of training camp. So it does make sense to me to shut down all three of them, have Paul Millsap, Malik Beasley, and Will Barton not play. And not playing them opens up quite a few minutes for other players who could use some playing time. 
So how does that open up minutes for everybody else? What does not playing those three players do? Well, when it comes to Paul Millsap not playing, it would allow Jeremy Grant to start. And having him alongside Nikola Jokic with all the spacing that the Nuggets starting unit provides makes things extremely interesting to finally get a look at what Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant look like together. I'll talk about that pairing a little bit more here in a second, but just the opportunity to see it if Paul Millsap does not play is interesting. Additionally, if Paul Millsap does not play, if Jeremy Grant starts, that means Jared Vanderbilt gets the bulk of the backup power forward minutes off of the bench. Also, it means he would get more backup center minutes because Jeremy Grant would likely not be playing as many center minutes if he's starting at power forward. So I find that interesting. Also, Michael Porter Jr., maybe he would have an opportunity to get some more playing time at the power forward position and continue to be a mismatch nightmare if Paul Millsap does not play. Additionally, if Will Barton does not play, Torrey Craig could start this game. Michael Malone said that Torrey Craig is going to play a a good chunk of minutes against the Suns because he did not play against the Clippers. So it makes the most sense to me to rest Will Barton and start Torrey Craig to get the best possible look at him. That would then allow the Nuggets to have Wancho Hernan Gomez play the bulk of the backup small forward minutes to get a better look at him. He has played the th- um, the second least amount of minutes for the starting small for-, for the potential starting small forwards. And then, of course, it opens up some late game minutes for Michael Porter Jr. to get some minutes to small forward as well. Lastly, if Malik Beasley does not play, the Nuggets may get a better look at who they could potentially bring in for their 15th and final roster spot. P.J. Dozier has not gotten a whole lot of run at during preseason. He's played some late game minutes and things like that, but he's really the last of the training camp invites other than Tyler Zeller because the Nuggets just need a backup center body in such a drastic way right now with Nikola Jokic you know, coming back from, the, from playing overseas as well as Mason Plumlee. So just to have a third big is important, Um, but I don't think Tyler Zeller has any chance of making this roster. I do think P.J. Dozier does. The Nuggets only have four guards in their rotation if you don't include Will Barton. They only have Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Gary Harris, and Malik Beasley. Having a fifth guard who can play the one or the two, who can create for their teammates or get their own shot, who has the size to play both positions, is a very helpful 15th man on the roster. And P.J. Dozier can absolutely be that guy. So having Malik Beasley sit means that P.J. Dozier could get more minutes off the bench and the Nuggets can get a better look at what he can bring to the table. To take that a step further, at media day, Michael Malone mentioned that Michael Porter Jr. could get some minutes at shooting guard, and that means that if Malik Beasley does not play, it again opens up more minutes for Michael Porter Jr. to potentially play. The last player who could see more minutes with all three of these guys potentially not playing is Vlako Chanchar, who can really play the 2, 3, or the 4, and just really not get in the way. Again, his his ceiling is very low, but his floor is almost the same level as his ceiling. He know exactly what he's going to bring, which allows him to play multiple different positions because of his versatility. So I think we could see more Vlaco. I think we could see more, a lot more Michael Porter Jr., a lot more Jeremy Grant, a lot more Jared Vanderbilt, a lot more Torrey Craig, and a lot more Wancho Hernan Gomez with some P.J. Dozier and Vlaco Chanchar sprinkled in. Also, to kind of bring this full circle, if those three players do not play, the Malik Beasley, Paul Millsap, and Will Bartons, then the Nuggets are likely going to start Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic, which I'm very interested to see. The Nuggets have already had a good defense for the majority of the preseason. I really want to see what that pairing can do. That 
having Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, and Jeremy Grant all on the floor together, flanking Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, looks like on paper it has the ability to be a very functional defensive unit, so I'm curious to see how that looks. Additionally, the bench unit would likely be a mix of Mason Plumlee and Jared Vanderbilt at the 4-5, and five, a mix of Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho Hernan Gomez and P.J. Dozier at 2-3-4, and four, with Monte Morris doing whatever he can with all of the weapons that he has been uh, just given on this bench unit. So yeah, that's kind of how I see how this bench unit and starting it will play out if these players don't play. Of course, if no one is actually going to sit out, then you'll have the original starting lineup, with Will, which will likely include Will Barton, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. I do expect all three of them to rest, but that's just speculation and me looking at anecdotal information to kind of develop an idea of what could happen. Let's just talk about what there is to watch for. So despite who may or may not play and who's going to get minutes instead of them, these are a few takeaways. I have four. And the the big one that I'm excited to see is just how does Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant look starting together? Um, I don't really have a whole lot of analysis for what to expect, but I just cannot wait to see how they mesh. I want to see what kind of an off-ball threat as a shooter that they're going to allow Jeremy Grant to be when they're paying so much attention to Nikola Jokic. I want to see if he's able to play in the dunker spot as well in the corner. I want to see if they initiate any offense through him to get Nikola Jokic off the ball from time to time to get him a rest. There are so many interesting ways that they can play those two together that I'm just curious to see how it works. I'm curious to see if the Nuggets continue to play faster, and having Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic on the floor together should, in theory, make the Nuggets a faster team. So it's not that I have a whole lot of actual evidence of what I'm preparing to see. It's just I want to see what happens because that is really the one pairing that we haven't gotten a great look at yet, and I'm very excited to see how it looks. Additionally, how does Gary Harris and Jamal Murray bounce back? As you heard in the first seg or the second segment, those are the two players that I thought have underperformed so far, and I think the way that they can do more is just by doing less. Jamal Murray continually dribbles himself into turnovers. He has taken unnecessarily tough shots after passing up open shots shots. Gary Harris is trying to do too much with the ball in his hands and is turning the ball over too much. Stick to the script, hit open jump shots, try as hard as you can defensively, and then make your presence felt when you need to, not because you feel like it. And that's not to say that they're selfish players. They are absolutely not selfish players. But the way it's happening right now is not working, and the Nuggets need to find a way to get Jamal Murray and Gary Harris back into a rhythm, which in my opinion means take a step back. Let the ball run through Nikola Jokic, Jokic, which makes life easier for every single person on the floor around him. Uh, Also, what will Jared Vanderbilt look like with a bigger role? With Jeremy Grant likely to start, that tells me, and again, that's if Paul Millsap doesn't play, which he is just questionable, but if Jared Vanderbilt um, is able to be the primary backup uh, power forward, I also think he would get a good amount of minutes at the five as well. The Nuggets do not view Tyler Zeller as a potential long term mainstay as a center around Denver as a third center. So I think getting Vanderbilt some minutes at the five in case an injury does happen to this Nuggets team is a very interesting wrinkle that should be explored more that has been explored throughout the preseason. I also want to see a bench unit that has Vanderbilt at the five, Porter Jr. at the four, and Wancho at the three. Considering that there's a possibility that Malik Beasley, Paul Millsap, and uh, Will Barton could potentially sit this game out. There is a possibility that all of them could. I want to be able to see them together. I think they'd be a very dominant bench lineup. And lastly, I just want to see if Michael Porter Jr. will get one 
more than one single stint. In his first game, he played 16 straight minutes from the four-minute mark of the third quarter all the way through the end of the game, and in his second game, he played the entire fourth quarter. It makes sense he has only played sparingly. Michael Malone wants him to earn it, so placing him above guys like Wancho Hernan Gomez on the depth chart feels fundamentally wrong, considering how hard Wancho Hernan Gomez has worked to build what he has. So it makes sense that they're that they're trying to make him earn it, but. I want to see him play more than one stint to see if he is healthy enough to play more than one stint. All signs point that he is absolutely healthy enough, but when he only plays one elongated stretch of play, that tells me the Nuggets don't want him to play, sit back on the bench to to come out for a rest, get tight, and then go back in because they're worried about re-injury. Again, this is me speculating, but I do want to see them throw that out the window. Additionally, if this is about him earning it, I would make the argument that he has earned it. Mentally, physically, and his buy-in to the schemes that the Nuggets run have been perfect, in my opinion, so far. Of course, we're only so far into the season, but he has done everything right. So with Beasley resting, with Barton potentially resting, with uh, Millsap potentially resting, there are now minutes of shooting guard, small forward, and power forward for Michael Porter Jr. to play. So is he going to be able to play more than one stint? That I find very, very interesting, and it's an answer I simply don't have, so I'll be looking to see how that works out. I honestly don't care about how guy or what the numbers look like. I want to see the Nuggets play the right way. I want to see turnovers go way down. I want to see Jamal Murray making better decisions. I want to see the Nuggets as a whole finding each other to find open shots as opposed to rushing the offense and making it clunky. I want them to continue to defend mercilessly because they have been a very good defensive team. And I want to see this bench unit continue to shine. And I want to see more Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. Um, We'll see what actually happens. All I know is that tonight's going to be the third of the fourth preseason game. So we're getting a better look at what is to come. Michael Malone said he's going to ramp up his minutes for his starters in this game. So we'll see how that plays out we'll see how it changes things that the nuggets do or do not rest guys but it's going to be interesting nonetheless i will be back tonight even because it is monday morning now with a podcast recapping the nuggets game giving you an idea of basically what i did see from this game so make sure to subscribe to the rocky mountain hoops podcast make sure to leave reviews five star reviews are extremely helpful make sure to leave comments reach out to me on twitter share it on social media all those things are so helpful to me so to everybody who has followed along thank you very much we will be talking in the very near future Until then, have a great rest of your day. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seam retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.